Hey, Panda here. This is episode three of our four-parter with Yasha and Gio from Empty Movement. In this episode, we mostly talk about uh, auteur theory, toxic masculinity, and toxic femininity. Uh, There's a whole bunch of shit. We talk about uh, Ikahara's upcoming anime that's going to come out next year, just a little bit. And... um, yeah, the phrase Akio's nipples is used again. Didn't like that, but that's the way it goes. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Yeah, we're not very good at this. No. <laughs> no, no, seriously, this has been great. Like, <laughs> this is going to be so good. Totally. <laughs> okay, so another question that I wanted to ask you guys is, do you have any opinions about the new Ikahara show that's going to be coming out next okay, Sorry, so mine. with with my um, reservations about Ikuhara and how he treats lesbian relationships, like, I have a lot of reservations about that. Um, yeah i am cautiously optimistic um we haven't gotten through yurikumas so yeah uh the thing is with ikuhara we hold him to a much higher standard than everything else and yeah there's a lot of times where he doesn't meet that standard and i think that's more because of a difference in what we want versus what he wants out of what he's doing yeah so it that that is also similarly to how I feel about David Lynch who makes Twin Peaks. Yeah. So yeah. Well, like there's the okay. <clears throat> I'm I'm gonna out myself as a terrible fucking person. I don't make any apologies. Okay. I like that's fine. This is a safe place to be terrible. <laughs> so I'm a Woody Allen fan because I like New York and he's like consummate New York. Mm-hmm. But I know he's a fucking terrible person he's trash like he's way worse than akio trash yeah because he actually yeah yeah but there's like a thing when film students talk about um woody allen called annie hall syndrome Mm. whereby you're discussing a situation where an extremely talented director creates his best work too early in his career yeah and everything he makes after that is compared to that yeah and, and I think he's hardly suffering from that. Absolutely. Like, everything Absolutely. he does is going to be compared to Utena. Yeah. It's going to be. Oh, 100%. There's no avoiding it. Amazing piece of work that I think at the end of the day has so much more to do with all of the different people that were involved. I think I- Utena worked because it was Ikuhara. It was Nikito. It Uch- was Saito. Yeah. It was- Utena worked because Ikuhara had that. Like I mentioned before in this, he has that amazing pattern recognition and that ability to convey that as well as this very beautiful, like psychedelic view of the things that he sees. And so he has that. And Enokito brings to the table this darkness, like Enokito is the one who's responsible for Toga's characterization. He's responsible for all of those dark undertones that underline all of the interactions in Utena. And then Saito is the one who made both of them just explain themselves. 
and steps that's back and so... went, this is psycho, slow the fuck down. Exactly. And that Which is so vital. That yeah. is so vital to a creative work is having somebody say, okay, you need to slow down. You need to make this into something that is comprehensible that you can see yeah. goes from point A to B to C. Like, well, it's yeah, I like- think a lot of people, when they try to think about Utena, they try to apply like auteur theory to Ikahara, yeah. but yeah. it's just not. It's not the case because auteur theory is bullshit, but it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like Ikuhara is like George Lucas. Yeah. And that when you're... <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know where I'm please going. Keep, please keep going. Please, I love this. <laughs> <I'm> going. <laughs> and that when there's restraints placed around him and there's people slowing him down and going, okay, but this is crazy now. Then he can make something really excellent. But then you get to like... I'm almost certain I've made this exact same comparison. I'm not even going to lie. You get to the prequel trilogy where he's just giving carte blanche to do whatever he yeah. wants, and it's a yes. hot mess. Yeah, because nobody slowed him down and went, "You sound like shit, right?" <laughs> yeah, I know. And so when it comes to Sarah's Anmai, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Like, I'm cautiously yeah. optimistic because, honestly, you compare him to a George Lucas, but I feel like he has a little more self awareness than that. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little. A little. So I feel like maybe this time he'll learn from what happened with Yuri Kuma because to be honest, Yuri Kuma was not successful. It was, I have some, we have some friends that um, have really enjoyed it. Um, But for us, we couldn't get past the third episode. If it learned- I don't know anything about it, and I have aggressively avoided spoilers. The only thing I know about it is what the characters look like. Honestly, we're not gonna spoilers from us because we didn't get far enough. Yeah, we didn't get far enough. And but there is a very voyeuristic approach to there lesbians. Is. Absolutely, I think Alex never- has sort of intimated that to me in not yeah. as many words. That I think what should- she said is that it was too gay, but like yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's. But I think what she meant by that is that it's like voyeuristically gay as opposed to like no, it's not even that that's the sorry. That's it's not even that that's the concerning factor. That is one of the themes of it is okay. that it's voyeuristic. Yeah. Is okay. that the whole thing is voyeuristic is that like Okay. And then no, it becomes I'm gonna the get into again. spoilers. If <laughs> I can't, I can't. We can't. No, I can't I, I cannot hear any spoilers. Yeah. No, I so I can't discuss this, but um honestly, if you want us to sit in on watching your Akuma with you, we do have to watch it at some point. Would love to do that with you. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we could probably do that. That would that would probably be really fun. There's definitely like it's it's and it raises that question that I think a lot of anime do of where is the boundary between voyeurism and commentary on the voyeurism? Yeah, yeah. I feel that way about um, Kill a Kill. Yes. A lot of That's people a really good example okay. of that. Kill Kill tries really hard to be a subversion, but it doesn't necessarily know how to toe that line exactly. between how is, so how often subverting is and being the thing it's trying to subvert. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's the danger when you come to criticism of these specific literary types is like when you're subverting something, are you pushing the subversion hard enough that or people understand? Yeah. I'm going to make then, a blanket statement. I think that has to do with men trying to subvert status quo 
because they yeah. don't really understand what it means to actually subvert it because they are I, part of the I feel you. patriarchy. I feel you. Absolutely, I feel you. And like for some reason, Ikuhara has escaped this. Like he's on the one hand definitely doing the thing, but on the other hand, he's very aware that he's doing the thing. So it's like, like making sometimes Ujina. it feels like lampshading more than yeah. actual subversion. That's what I felt like during Yurikuma. Honestly, like I'm probably gonna feel similarly. Yeah, (laughs) but I'm excited for the ride. I would love to watch it on. You know what? Okay, I'm gonna go back to something awful for a second. There was a thread on something awful where people were discussing Yurikuma, and somebody in that thread was posting these most wonderful analyses of what was going on and how it related to to like Takarazuka Theater and how men were gatekeepers of women's art and just all of this kind of stuff. And it was talking about all of this in relation to Yurikuma and. I'm watching Yuri Kuma and going, I hate this. And then going, <laughs> going to this person's analysis and going, this is fucking fascinating. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm on the one hand, very hesitant because I hated it. I, I really did hate it. The whole reason is because the characters were very flat. Like, and I think at I the end of the day, too, spoiler. the challenge for us is that what we loved the most about Uten is not necessarily the stuff Ikuhara contributed. Yeah. Because for yeah. us, like, I mean, at least for me, anyway, the con- the characterization was so key. And that's why I don't like the movie. No, I mean, I mean, I joke because I don't like the movie because yeah. the movie Akio sucks, which yeah. is true. I mean, if by sucks, you mean doesn't exist. Basically. Mm-hmm. And I do make that joke. I'm like, movie Akio's not in the movie. Yeah. I mean, ba- he's basically not. Which it's is not, what? it's not, I that's not Akio. That's like, that's you know what that is? Shit. No, you know what that is? That's like Dios that was caught halfway into his transformation to Akio. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But he's like, definitely yeah. not Akio. He doesn't represent anything Akio does. Like, he in no way is supposed to stand in for the Akio that exists in the series. He's a completely different entity. But... The other thing that, it, like, for me, the movie ends up falling short is because it doesn't have the time and it doesn't have the resources to develop these characters yeah. to the extent that they're developed in the show. Oh, yeah, we definitely talked about that when we watched the movie. Totally. And that's the selling point for me, is the characterization. And I think that might have been as much Anakito yeah. as it yeah. was Ikuhara at the end of the day, if not I more. do think so. If not I more. do think so. Well, like, I don't know. The things that Ikuhara has done since do not illustrate the same depth of characterization as we got in Utena. So I'm like kind of forced to assume that that wasn't him. Yeah. Well, like Penguin Drum, like we did finish Penguin it's good. Drum. I liked it. And, but it and was just good. I don't it know wasn't I something this. that I was in the Discord, I think. Mm-hmm. The symbology and the metaphor and the representation and the imagery in Penguin Drum is way more consistent and vital yes. than it is in the SKU. Yeah. In Utena. It's really well done. It's nice and tight and everything is beautiful. But the depth isn't there. But the depth isn't there because you don't feel as devoted to the characters yeah. and what they're saying like, and what they're doing. When so it doesn't work as well. In Utena, you look at the character that you identify with, no matter who it is, and you hurt like that's the the linchpin of the series is identifying with this person so strongly that you feel their pain 
Well, it's kind of like, why does Mickey stopwatch exist? It's yeah. the question of, is your emphasis on the word stopwatch? Or is your emphasis on the word Mickey's stopwatch? Why does Mickey's stopwatch exist? And for us, mm-hmm. the answer is implicitly going to be about why Mickey has the stopwatch. Exactly. Whereas if you're watching Penguin Drum and filtering it through like what you get presented to in Penguin then Drum, the your question is about stopwatch. On its own. Yeah. So it's it's not character motivated in the same way that Utena is. And that's not to say that it's not good. It's I enjoyed great. it. It's I a really enjoyed good anime. Penguin Drum a re- like a lot. Hey, I read a novel, ba- a book based on yeah. it. Yeah. So a plus. And but at the same time, like it's like Ikuhara needs the right team behind him. He to... needs people to keep him in line. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I think that's probably true of auteur theory and like yeah, just any in sense. general. Is anytime someone brings up auteur as, as in any sense, I'm like, okay, but who's going to rein them in when they're full of shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I'm the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, to, like, um, I don't know, like, have you ever seen uh, Dracula? Bram Stoker's Oh, Dracula? my God. <laughs> Feminist. Oh, man, Dracula. I wish Alice was here. She fucking loves Dracula. <laughs> oh, my God. So. Oh, my God. So, okay, I'm Italian, so I was, like, literally raised on The Godfather. I mean, my mother actually hummed it to me when I was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so i know my godfather and i know my francis ford coppola and then like later in life i saw dracula and it's this steaming pile of weird shit yes it's and beautiful it, but it's definitely a demonstration of auteur theory at work yeah yeah and it's like did nobody stop you at any point and the answer <laughs> is no because auteur theory was at work Mm-hmm. And he was Jesus, and this was his cross that he was going to die on. And thus we got feminist werewolf, werewolf sex. Yeah. Feminist <laughs> werewolf fucking is the peak of that movie. Um, the second peak of that movie is the feminist fart cloud. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on. Like that that green mist surrounding yeah. the house, the, the feminist it's, fart it's cloud. Sexy. It's sexy, though. It is sexy for <laughs> I wish I could have gone my whole life without hearing the phrase sexy fart cloud. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time to three seconds ago before you said that to me. I'm very sorry, but that is not no. the You're not that. sorry. You're not sorry. You're not sorry. Don't I'm lie not. to me. I, I actually regret nothing. <laughs> That's right. You're an Accio fan. I regret you regret nothing. You're an Akio fan. You don't have regret. That's right. It's <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> there are very few things I regret. I know. That's not one of them. But you know what? There are very few things you regret because I've kept you from things that you would regret. Says the Toga fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's trying to protect you like a noble prince. Exactly. Obviously. <laughs> about as well yep it goes about as well (laughs) do you guys know anything about what serizanmai is about gay i don't know any japanese so like the teasers are lost on me mongooses i thought it was otters no those are supposed to be mongooses oh okay so it's gay mongooses wait so they're mongoose i think they're supposed to be mongooses i don't know Someone made because Alice and I were arguing about this. Uh, we did like a we did like a mini episode where we watched the teasers and kind of speculated as to what we thought it was. I think I said mongoose. I don't remember yeah. what Alice said. 
Well, game all, on all this I is... know is it's Ikuhara. It's the designer for Penguin Drum, hence the aesthetic, which is fantastic. Which I love. I love that. Oh, I love the. Yeah, good. I heard that too. Yeah, but it's the writer for Yuri Kuma, which makes me more ambivalent because I yeah, didn't get didn't, pulled into yeah. Yuri Kuma. But again, I felt like it hit that level of voyeurism where I became uncomfortable with it. Yeah. And I would like to try it again because I feel like now that I've had people that got through it, tell me I should watch it. And there are people that I trust that I should yeah, probably like watch it. Yeah. yeah. Her opinion carries a lot. Of yeah. Weight. I've done that with a lot of things where like I started like, uh, with Archer. I didn't like Archer when I first watched Archer. Like I did the first episode. I was I like, I don't think this is the show for me. And then somebody made me watch an episode from like, when Archer becomes like a pirate or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this actually gets funny later. I, I love Archer. I'm not gonna. I love Archer. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I hate it because I've never watched it. But honestly, it's so hard to get me to sit down to watch anything. I have to climb to the chair. Yeah, for most things. The only actually our uh, the artwork for uh, our podcast. That's the. I don't know if you guys have seen the little picture of us as Anthony and Utena was yeah. drawn by a character designer for Archer. Oh, oh, wow. Cool. Awesome. Who is sort of a Twitter friend of mine. That's nice. great. That's really awesome. I actually really ended up liking Archer after being told repeatedly that I wasn't going to like Archer, but I love Archer. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll like Archer, damn it. That's right. Yeah, I basically that's, got that's like, literally, fuck you, I'm okay. going to like Archer. <laughs> that's honestly, that's love me I'm a woman motivated by spite. Her. I've remained married to her for all these years because of knowing that she's just that contrary. <laughs> that it's she's just acting like, like she's not yeah. that way. Uh, <laughs> I handle it better than you do. We are completely, <laughs> we're, we're complete trash. Basically like, okay, when Lord of the Rings came out, Harry Potter came out around the same time. We were like, Harry Potter is popular. And I'm like, fuck, fuck you. Harry Potter. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. <laughs> This whole time, I'm like, fuck Harry Potter. I'm going to watch it when the buzz dies down. Yeah. Which is exactly what I did. And then I watched it and I loved the crap out of it. And yeah. And this is exactly what's going to happen with the Marvel Universe now. Yeah. Like, I'll watch Ragnarok like, or whatever when nobody like 10 years later. <laughs> I'm like, this was cool. I enjoyed this. Yeah. But I, I like, can't bear to be cool. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> it's terrible. It's awful. You don't and want people looking up to you. They did it already. And there was definitely, like, a sense at one point of me being the Akio fan because nobody was the Akio fan. And I took, yeah. like, stubborn contrarian pride in being like, fuck you, I'm the Akio fan. <laughs> I yes. think that's part of why I'm such a non-anime fan is because there are people out there that don't like non-anime. And I'm like, fuck you, like, I love non-anime. What is wrong with them? I don't, I don't fucking know. Nami is the queen. She is the queen. She She's is amazing. the queen. Don't yes. need princesses. You have a queen. Exactly. Story done. Yeah. Show That's finished. why the highest tier on our Patreon is called World Revolutionary Naname, because she's the best. <laughs> right. That's because awesome. Anonymy. I agree. But it's also because she's the only one that deserves to be happy. <laughs> and also, I would kill a human being for that cowbell. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, our friend Allegorius got one of them, and I knew I saw it. They are literally a unicorn. I've seen maybe two or three for sale, and the one that I saw for sale was in poor condition. 
I saw it in person at the exhibition and I swear to God at the exhibition, that was like the most amazing part of it. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm looking, I've already seen pictures of like the early character designs for the series and all this amazing stuff. And I've seen Nakio's nipples and I'm looking at Ushin and Nanami's cow cowbell. Like, wow. I would probably have stood there and cried. I, I can't even I, lie. I had a moment where I'm like, this is a thing of epic proportions. Truly. Like, I, okay, I didn't know that the cowbell existed until very recently. We had on a, we had a person on our show who is extremely into Utana merchandise as just like, that's like her hyper fixation hobby. And she came on and she talked to us about the merchandise and she told me about that cowbell. And I about shit like an entire brick house when she told me. Because I honestly don't know when it happened or where or why. Yeah. Or who How made did it? that? I, we don't know what year it was made or anything. I just know that yeah, I, she didn't have very much information about it other than that it existed and she had a very low res picture of it. Yeah, there's not a lot of information about oh, it. Oh man, I'm going to have to send you Ali's picture of her wearing the cowbell ring. Oh no, I saw what you guys uh, okay, you retweeted something on Twitter and I watched that looping uh, video for about five minutes. Oh my God, so jealous. So jealous. I've never been more jealous of another human being in my whole life. She has to leave. Yeah, it she's actually promised us she's going to wear it in her coffin, but we're allowed to dig up her grave and take it. Yes. What a blessing. I know, right? right? That's you guys are so lucky. That's I know. True. That's, that's true friendship right true there. True friendship. True friendship. Well, Ellie is other... my most passionately platonic friend. It is true. It's true. But, like, the, the closest thing I can think of after that merch-wise is, like... That um, one necklace that we have now. The, actually, the music box we have. Oh, yeah, also that's like right. That. We, we have, have a music some box. fairly rare stuff that we, honestly, we don't use it, but we, like, keep it because it's, it's like, rare. Because it's rare, but also it because it's boner. kind of, it's, a, it's like a record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. if if we lost this stuff, then no one would have it that would be able to keep a record of it. So we have things like we have the tarot cards. We have a collection. What? Yeah, we do. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, okay. I'm just going to say here, one of my pet projects that I want to do is I want to get a full set of tarot cards drawn by American fans. That it's really interesting that you brought this up because I was talking to a friend of mine, like the actually the friend that got me into Revolutionary Girl Utena, like three days ago we were talking about how cool it would be to have an Utena tarot yeah. card deck. And you're telling me that this is a thing that exists? There is so, one. Okay. it was done by Japanese fans only. It's only the, the major, major arcana. arcana. It's so you not really Yeah, I kind of figured that's the way it goes with a lot of fan art decks. The full arcana. We want to get the full set done. We want to do the full set. Actually this, is, this is actually copy. like, uh, this is a priority. It's just been pushed aside by some other things like selling the stuff that we got in Japan yeah. and trying to like set up a shop so that people can have their own designs, their own Uchina inspired stuff on say t-shirts or backpacks yeah. or pillows or, or whatever else. Like it's been pushed aside by that, but that's something I definitely, I, absolutely 100% want to do I want to have a tarot set well I want to I'm thinking we we're going to end up like, doing that with Avery after yeah, she's finished oh yeah. 
So Avery's doing another zine and she's doing like the future zine and she's mm-hmm. bad. Oh, I retweeted something about that earlier yeah. today. Yeah. She's Avery's a buddy of ours. I, I like joked that I would make something for it and she like beat me and badgered me and punched me and kicked me. Do it. Yeah. She she what already lied. What am I gonna do though? You're gonna write Akio. I'm gonna write Your best. Cause that's literally all I can do. Yeah. Is right up. I, I did say you were going to do your best, but I have to amend that. You're going to do your worst. I'm going to do my worst. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I, you know what the the ironic thing is? is? Between the two of us, I'm the one that probably has the, like, technical training to write. Quote, unquote. Yeah, but I'm way better than you. Basically, like, <laughs> I, you are. I you am. are. Absolutely. I went through school in, like, the American South where they had that boner for, like, uh, gifted students. And mm, I know I know that. Right? She knows what I'm talking about. Yep. Yep. And I was raised, like, in, in that whole, like, humanities branch of it where I was the writing person and I was going to write and that was going to be my thing and blah, blah, and all this fucking jerking off. And it was ridiculous. It was terrible. But I've basically been taught to write and I'm a shitty writer. <laughs> <laughs> But you have me to help you. I have Eleanor to help me. Oh, sorry. Yasha. Yasha. Yep. I have Yasha to help me. And I can bleep I can bleep that out if you want me to. Honestly, I don't give a shit. You know what? Somebody called me Yasha in bed once. <laughs> that was not me. No. <laughs> that wasn't. Yep. I did not. I don't do give that. a fuck anymore. <laughs> I didn't do that. After that happens, you're just you're at the peak. There's nothing else that you can do with a name but that, I was that taught matches to, that. <laughs> but I was taught to write. And so far, the only thing I've been able to demonstrably write well is Akio. <laughs> and I don't know if that's... Hey, a, but, that, but that Akio Rego one that you did with the, with the comparing jury to the, like, broken pottery that they fixed yeah. with gold... Kintsugi. ...is amazing. Amazing. Aww. You know about that? Like, the... Oh, the God, technique? no. Yeah, no, I know about the pottery. But the pottery, the kintsugi, where they like have yeah. broken pottery and they fix it with gold. And she yeah. wrote a story about Akio and Ruka talking together, and they compared jury to kintsugi, like perfect. Like that's yeah. Amazing. That's I'm amazing. Not a, I'm not a terrible writer. No, she's a good writer. <laughs> she's the actual writer, but I was taught to write. Mm-hmm. But all I've done with it really is is write accurate. <laughs> so I don't know if that's really a credit to my par for the course. Yeah, yeah par for the course. But like, well, like but like uh, Avery's like, and I'm like Avery. All I'm gonna write about is Accio. You know all. And the, yeah, but she wants that. And the theme is post series. And I'm like, listen, somebody's got to because no one else will. Exactly. But I don't know what I'm going to write, and I'm kind of scared to write it, because I feel like it will sound very Akio-Stanny, because I actually genuinely believe, because, like, you know, there's this idea that after the show, Akio will suffer terribly. Yeah, no, he's not gonna. And I 100% understand that, and would love to flog the crap out of him. But it's not gonna happen. But it's not gonna happen. Like, when, when Anthony leaves, she says, pretend playing prince in your castle forever. Your coffin. Your coffin. Yes. And I genuinely believe that is exactly what he's going to do. He will stare at a wall for about two days going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and then, then he's, he's gonna just going to go back to normal. Exactly. He will jam somebody else into her role and he will continue on as he always has. And that's what's so sad and pathetic about him. Exactly. But it doesn't seem as militantly awful. 
Like, it's not the, oh, I'm going to flog him. He's going to experience the swords of hate and he's going to suffer and die. So, like, it comes off as, like, an endorsement of his character almost, which is really strange because it's not at all. So, but I, I'm, but I do I'm genuinely think to to yeah. advise you on how to write that with the <laughs> subtlety that it takes. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think actually Akio will suffer at the end, and that's no, actually what's to, so pathetic about point. it. But that's, that's what's pathetic. Exactly. Is he so pathetic and he's so delusional and he's so set in his ways and he's so able to compensate for everything that comes his way that he will convince himself <laughs> over time that oh, I sent Anthea away myself. This is her well, favorite like, character. This is her favorite feels, character. That feels very like indicative of like just sort of society in general, the way that like awful men tend to flourish. Yes. And it's needed to repeat it. And that's like revolution. And I got into this too. Yes, the whole revolution okay. as like revolution yeah. in terms of movement <laughs> and then revolution in terms of actual political change and then revolution. Okay. In terms- so well. as I've mentioned multiple times already, I'm a space nerd and I bring a lot of that to the table. And actually, Akio talks about mythology more than he talks specifically about the function behavior of space. But he does mention space and I bring that a lot with me. And revolution in the sense of how everybody is talking about in revolution. Is one turn of a planet around another. They're talking. Okay. When revolution is mentioned in Utena, everyone is thinking of revolution in the French sense where they kill a bunch of people. But what I was saying, revolution in the astronomy sense is one turn of a planet around the sun. So that you end up exactly Exactly where you started. started. And that's, I think, the revolution Akio is talking about. He's like, yes. I want the revolution, and then I want this to go back to where it was. That's so good that I hate you for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously. Sorry. No, I'm no, kidding. like seriously, that's so true. Like, and I had never thought about it that way before. But that's like that is Akio's revolution. Okay, yeah. this this is what happens when you think about it for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I grew up a space nerd because yes. I thought of this way back. Yes, true. True. But when Akio talks about wanting a revolution, he does want a revolution. He wants a revolution in the sense that we've gone full circle and gone right back to where he started and we don't have anything invested and we can start all over it again. Yeah. Um, Toga. Toga wants, wants a, a revolution, revolution in terms of like the 1786 fucking French and he's revolution coup of like fucking executing the royalty. And of course he does. The royalty yeah. shortly after. And that's what Toga wants. Like, as much as he fucks Akio, he hates him. He hates him. Oh, absolutely. He yeah. wants to topple him and be Akio himself. Exactly. So, so to- He loves Akio, but he hates Akio. Absolutely. Exactly. He hates Akio in that Akio has okay. something he thinks he should have. I just want to- Yeah. I just want to take a moment here to acknowledge the absolute fucking messed up bullshit that is Toga's relationship <laughs> with Akio being oh. that Toga is confirmed by the creators a victim of child sexual abuse by his father who somehow freed himself from that abuse by his father ended up inflicting that abuse on the people who are closest to him. Hi Sam. Yes. Hello. I love you. You're a beautiful cat. Go away. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so ended up inflicting that abuse on people around him so that they would stay close to him and then immediately got 
into a relationship with an older man who has power over him where he can bargain his ass to get information. How fucked up is that? It's re-victimization. Yeah, but he's doing it to himself. He's doing it for a reason. Which means he's not the victim anymore. No, exactly. If he's knowingly doing it in his mind, he's no longer a victim. Yeah. And that's that's just messed up. Like, seriously, I understand where that's coming from. And that's fucked up. Like, Well, and you can also sort of say the same about Anthe. Yes, absolutely. Which is, which is why is what we've been I'm, saying the whole episode. That's why I'm writing that that essay on the two of them, where it's like basically comparing their circumstances and acknowledging that they are just straight up gender flipped. Like Toga and Anthe are equals in a weird way. Well, I mean, I mean, SKU gets into like toxic masculinity so much mm-hmm. because. Akio I is, think it's not is, recognized that it gets into toxic femininity as it much. does. It's just as much about toxic femininity, and that's what Anthe embodies. It's just that toxic masculinity is so much more showy. Yeah, it is. And it, literally, it's, it's more it's showy. Also, it jumps over cars. It's and, also way more of a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's also the more, more of present a direct problem. problem. True. Toxic femininity is a response to toxic masculinity. masculinity. And we know that. Yeah, like if you move the one, the other will go away. The other goes away. Mm -hmm. But it's such about it's it's so much about toxic gender roles. Period. And like um, on the Discord, me and the other resident Akio fan have been like (laughs) kind of dancing around this subject. And I kind of almost want to write an essay about it, but I haven't decided whether it's about enough of a subject worth discussing. But there's a difference in the identity of what toxic masculinity is filtered through an American lens versus an European slash everywhere else lens. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, because American masculinity is tied so much more to that frontier mentality of the surviving in the wilderness, of the making your, uh, staking your claim out in the you know, nowhere, digging, yeah. hole, blah, blah, blah. So you get a lot of like, I'm so butch that I can drill into a hole for six hours. And I'm so masculine that I don't need all of this frippy gay shit. That's like comfort or whatever. So you get this like mentality of the loud cars and the loud open shirts and all this kind of thing. Yeah. The loud but, suits and the yeah, loud, just loudness. Whereas like toxic masculinity in the sense of like a European or erudite, I dare say, sense is more tied to, oh, I have so much power that I don't need to do all that. I can yeah. sit in my ivory literal tower. Yeah. And philosophize. My ivory dick tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can sit in my erudite tower. The cock tower. The cock tower and philosophize and I don't need to deal with things the lower orders need to deal with. like Which is exactly how Toga acts in the musical because he only dances in that one number and then every single other number he's like, whatever, I'm standing on furniture. I'm going to watch all you fucking lower orders (laughs) dance. And it totally speaks to that. It totally speaks to that. But... Especially, like, in the series, Akio is kind of this, like, dichotomy between this American idea of masculinity, which I think was clearly supposed yeah. to be there. Hence yeah. the American car. Yes. The literal pinnacle of American masculinity, a Corvette. Uh-huh. Um, contrasted to this kind of more European ideal where he's this erudite entity sitting in a ivory tower discussing 
philosophy <clears throat> and astronomy and all this vague shit that an American masculine male would never would have think to no care idea about. about. Yeah. No. And in that sense, I think Akio kind of embodies both senses of toxic masculinity. Well, I mean, he tries to encompass the whole. Yeah, he tries to cover all that territory because I think that's mm-hmm. what his purpose is insofar as like Ikuhara or Inikiden. Exactly. Absolutely. He's Absolutely. toxic masculinity in all of its worst Like just forms. embodied. But like, it also shows how to- toxic masculinity is a result of the good intentions of masculinity to begin with. Like Dio's was yeah he wasn't a bad person no he wasn't in fact he was the antithesis of of a bad bad person person. he was completely other like and it it really illustrates the corruption of those ideals and how that corruption is the necessary result of those ideals because humans can't live up to that like and that was the whole point behind Dio's not being able to rescue and save everybody is yeah. that's impossible. <clears throat> that's impossible for any one person. The The whole idea of a prince is just completely bullshit from beginning to yeah. end. And like as like, archetypes, the fact that Dio's fails is an archetype, because mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, there's a certain amount of leniency you have to give to characters like Akio and Anthony because they are supposed to represent archetypes. Yeah, yeah. That is literally what they are. Yeah. Like you get the impression Akio only exists because the archetype and the idea of him exists. Mm-hmm. Dios only exists because the archetype and the idea exactly. of him existed. Kind of like if, um if Gaiman. This- if like the Gaiman shit, idea of a god. Yeah. If the god only if exists. If you didn't believe in it, it wouldn't exist. Exactly. If you do believe Oh, another thing I wish we had Alice around for. Oh, totally. She really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that whole idea of masculinity as a kind of gradient between Dios and Akio. Yeah. Being like a, a, a traveling between the one point and the other. Like, and yet all versions of that are mask are, are toxic in the sense that all versions of that take the agency away from the woman. They take the agency of the woman. They also take the agency of the man. True. Like, Akio and Toga are as much trapped as Anthe is by their own. And I'm not saying spicy. that they don't have power. Very I'm not spicy. saying that they don't have, they don't exercise control. But because of their own expectations of what they do, they are just as trapped as Anthe is, and that is just as bad as what happens. Well, toxic masculinity is just as harmful for men as it is to women. It is, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And the series illustrates that beautifully. Like, it, it straight up goes into all of the ways that masculinity is absolutely inhibiting and toxic and just dangerous well i mean too though it also addresses the fact that at the end of the day toxic masculinity is a lot nicer to be when you're the masculine entity yes. than Absolute, it is yeah. to be the female uh, entity yeah like because it's, when it's you're unhealthy but it's still you're still at the you're top still, of the pile yeah you're still in the top of the pile and you're still in charge and you still get benefits of your position whereas with toxic femininity you don't get any of that like you get to have however much power you're afforded as a woman mm-hmm. but the asterisk is at as a woman mhm kind of like um have you guys seen Handmaid's Tale 
Oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. Yes. Oh. I was thinking about Serena Joy. Yes. Yeah. How she was like such a traitor. And like there, there yeah. feels like a lot of parallels between yes. Serena Joy and Anthony. She's so, so comparable. Oh, I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> I hate her. Well, I do. Tell I us do. how you really feel. And, and, no, I, I, but I haven't seen the show. I've only read the book and I've read the book for like, she oh, made God, like, me read the book. Yeah, I did like 10 years ago or something. I made her read the book. I like the way that they did Serena Joy's character in the show more because like, I don't know, she kind of reminds me of like, she's much younger in the show. I don't know yeah. if you like know anything about the show, but she's much younger. Yeah, I watched and watched like, the first couple of episodes of the show. I haven't watched the whole thing, but I did watch the first few episodes. The only reason I haven't watched the rest is because I want my brother to watch with me. <laughs> She so. just like Serena Joy reminds me of like these like young hot blonde yes. women hired by Fox News. Yeah, to, yeah the Fox News host. Not, not to get political, no, but no, no. hired by Fox News to like espouse all of their fucking garbage. Okay, let's just LOL, let's not just to get hey, political discussing revolutionary girl Let's just cut it off right here. <laughs> Let's just cut it off right here. We've been political. I ain't yeah. fooling nobody. But like, Don't apologize. for me, as far as politics is concerned, uh, politics, whatever. Anyway. She's been drinking beer. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Serena Joy as like a different interpretation of toxic femininity as the absolutely, um, this is something that I noticed a long time ago. Um, old women are the enablers most, of, of yeah, the patriarchy. The most. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Anthe is that older woman. She is. Since she, she is. will enable the patriarchy given the chance. Yeah. And you can understand why they are that way because they've lived through that. And so they feel like that is a normal The thing. most power they're going to have exactly. is through the patriarchy that enables So them. they want to cater to it. And that's, that's disturbing and wrong to somebody who's on the outside. But on the inside, that feels natural. Well, Anthony and Anakio in that sense, I think, enable and like describe the best and worst of the patriarchy. And when I like think of the patriarchy, um, because I'm a terrible nerd for this, <laughs> I tend to think of like the Roman empire and what it represented. It's as not that you're a nerd. The... You're a fucking Italian. I'm anyway. Italian too. So that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I tend to think of it in those terms and in the sense of like women have always accepted to some degree, this idea that, the power they get or the power that they get to wield tends to be filtered through what men give them. And the Roman empire was very much like that. And frankly, Western society since then has been yeah. so also yeah. like even in like the eighties where you had this idea of like the power woman, yeah, the power woman who had her power business suit and everything was still filtered through what men let them have. Yeah. And Anthe thinks in those terms and thinks that the agency that she gets to has is always channeled through men. What what the man it's is always going to let channeled, them have. Yeah, exactly. Actio like, is the ultimate force that defines what is going her to happen. Reality, like, right. 
And he says, okay, you can be the Rose Brian. You can have absolute power over this group of individuals as you will. And so she exercises that power, but only in the ways that are sanctioned by yeah. him. And it can only lead in the direction that she wants it to go. At the end of the day, she gets to wield absolutely her power over this group of duelists. But at the end of the day, they still have to end up in the same location that he would choose for them to be in. Exactly. And I think actually that's a big part of symbolically his... Especially episode 34, where they see the play. No. 33. 33. Okay. okay. So, okay. All right. A big a visual motif that I became aware of because I was capping the series again, as I do intermittently. Mm. Um, There's a whole story about that. We're not going to go into it now. But in episode 15, the first time Utena and Anthea are alone together, there's a sequence of shots. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Utena and Akio. The -hmm. first time they're alone, there's a sequence of shots where Utena is talking and you pan to a shot of just Utena in the background with a picture of of Akio and Anthe uh, in what is clearly a bullshit, you know, we're we're siblings picture. We're a family. We're families, yo. Yeah. Picture. And then it cuts to a picture of Akio alone. And in in the foreground is a bouquet of red roses. Yeah. In comparison. And you're like, so when we're thinking of Utna, it's Akio and Anthe in mind. She thinks of them as kind of this unit. single entity. Yeah. Siblings. Like a, a, an absolute yeah. unit. You switch to Akio, and Akio is thinking <laughs> of her bouquet of red roses. And right at the beginning of episode 33, what do you see but a bouquet of roses similarly drawn right on the chair? Yeah. Of the hotel room they're going to I have sex in. I was just going in. there to deliver roses. Yeah. Yep. And you have this whole metaphor of, <sighs> oh, did you deliver the roses today? And it implies to me, to great and unpleasant extent, the complicity in Anthe of what has happened here. 